Are you excited now that you're back from jail after mm-hmm. selling fake weed to eight-year-olds? <laughs> at a we church, would. At a, at a playground <laughs> that you weren't allowed within 25 feet of because you know why. We we did sometimes like throw on the idea of telling people that we were like a prison reform crew and like be like, oh, that guy with the pickaxe, don't talk to him. He's, you know, he's with his favorite yeah, weapon. I, yeah, I told my parents you were, you know, uh, just getting back from the clink, yeah. you know. <laughs> After, I was after a, slap me around too much. Oh, <laughs> I would never. <laughs> well, yeah. well, welcome to the Halloween special. Yes. Halloween, a time of year where the leaves rustle and the ghosts wail. We uh, finally bring, we finally draw Grace back down south. You know, on a crisp November second day. She came back to the howl of the werewolf. Yes. Yeah. To a place where there probably actually were wolves to hear, where the wolves are just women cheetah skirts. The, no, the Great Smoky Mountains, you know, has has has, has, has bountiful wolves. Do you they? Know? I don't know. Maybe, maybe big foxes at least. I did read an article that they were thinking about reintroducing red wolves to Virginia. It's the best kind of wolf there is. Mm. How many other wolves do you know? Oh, there's a there's a there's a red wolf and there's a purple wolf. Big wolf and a small wolf. That's a dog. <laughs> that Smokey's a really tiny, tiny wolf. Well, you know, when you, when you look at Smokey, it's tough to imagine the fact that he actually somehow evolved from, um, or this is somehow like a descendant of wolves. Smokey is scared of the dumpster. You think he's a wolf? Smokey is closer to being a, a, a descendant of like a bratwurst than a descendant of like <laughs> Yeah, uh, that makes sense. No, um, that makes sense. Well, but well, um, after after a brief hiatus, where in fact Grace went—I was joking earlier—she actually went to jail for mail fraud. That um, mm-hmm. uh, we are we are back with another episode. After a know, slap on the wrist. After a slap on the wrist and a spank on the cheeks, we're back with a Halloween special. Mail fraud cue, prison is kinky. Cue the spooky music. And then that's where you'll edit that in. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll do that. Yep. Well. So, Grace, what do you have to talk about today? Well, first, we're going to back to our roots. I have news. Grace has news. Ding, 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 All right, well, hit, well, hit me with the news. Hit me with the news. A deer ran through a noodles and company in Beloit, Wisconsin last Tuesday. Ran, we drove through Beloit, Wisconsin. Like, ran through it as in, like, consumed, like, most of their food? Like, are we really ran through that Chinese No, play? he had celiacs. He just, like, ran physically through the noodles and company. Now, how do you do that? Because, like, I can imagine there's windows on one end of the... And other. there's a vestibule. It got through the outside door and the inside door. So, okay, so, so it ran through the, the outside door and then actually went back through the kitchen and went through the back door? Yeah, when like in the front door, like customers do, beelined it for the kitchen. There's a video. It's uh-huh. quite funny. People scatter like a car, like an F one fifty is coming through the window, but it's actually just like a little deer. It's very cute. Well, now, what did that? What did that deer want from that noodles and company? And why did it choose to leave so quickly? Didn't say. It's still on. Still on the lamb. Mm. Can't say. But apparently, no one was harmed. But the location reopened and offered a two buck mac and cheese special on Wednesday to commemorate the, the incident. That sucks. Keep going. <laughs> Bad news. You would have hated the title of this article or like one of the first blurbs was like, usually like, oh, what did that I was something about like people come to news and bunk company to save a buck, not like see a buck. 
It was really dumb. It was horrible. Move it along. All right. Uh, a reckless driving suspect supposedly bit a New York City police officer's finger off this month. Wait, uh, who did that? A reckless driving suspect. So, a reckless driving suspect. Lenny Rodriguez Cruz, 28, could face 25 years after leading police officers on a car chase, crashing into several vehicles, and biting an officer's left ring finger off up to the knuckle, up to the first knuckle. Did he get the ring? This, this much. I don't know. They didn't say if he was, you know, iced up or not. Yeah. But that's a good question. But yeah, that I just thought it was funny that some cop got his finger cut off. Better alternative well, than like off, dead. Though. Bit off. And now, how do you bite I don't know why his... I feel like you have to use a lot of fucking force to do and that. And like, when does a cop have its fingers in your mouth? What? Like, was he grabbing his face? Like, how did the guy get the cop's finger in his mouth? He was reckless driving? Mm-hmm. Cops so I'm guessing they rustled him out of the car cop, or something. Well, the cop could have just... The cop could have just been asking for the drivers of registration, and then the guy's like, sure, here it is. The cop reaches for it, and bite gets his finger bitten off, you know? I guess. If he was that being that polite. Just, you know. No, I think you might be onto something. You know, off, yeah. Um, it's a possibility. Um, Do you think you could charge with something if, like, the cop reaches, like, you get pulled over, cop asks for your license registration, you go to hand it to him, you just give him a little lick? Do you think that's bad? Can you do that? Yeah. It's like, a, it's like an endearment. No, 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 no. I don't know about that. First of all, it's incredibly unsanitary, you know? You don't know where that cop's been. That cop doesn't know where you've been. He doesn't know where my tongue's been. Yeah. Also, like, um, you know, if you're biting all the way through someone's finger, God, that's not a that's defense. A that's not a defensive maneuver because you have to bite down and oh. more or less thrash your head around and keep pushing down. That's an attack. That's, that's, Do you uh, think he went through the knuckle? I think he got to go through the knuckle. You got, well, I don't, you know, I, I don't think care I, if you're going through the side door or the back door. You got to, um, that's an attack. You're biting through that thing, yeah. Yeah. God, it's like a big carrot, though. That's horrible. Yeah. Um. Oh, is, there, is, there, is there a crazy pun for this one? No. <laughs> there was <Yeah>. not. <laughs> Did you not like that? That you didn't like the pun? I, you know, I was just, I was just looking for like, you know, what's next? Okay. Know? How can this take any worse? Oh. Go ahead. <laughs> Almost 200 bodies were removed from a Colorado funeral home due to improper storage. So the Return to Nature funeral home advertises natural burial services. Like they let bodies decompose underground, but without metal caskets or like chemicals, like they don't embalm them. So I guess this practice is legal in Colorado, but bodies that are not embalmed must be refrigerated within 24 hours of death. And authorities were originally called to the funeral home on October 3rd because there was a very strong odor coming from the building. They found a horrific scene inside. They originally estimated that there were 115 bodies in like the 2,500 foot square foot storage space, but they now cleared out the facility and found 189 individuals. Which, 2,500 feet, that's like not a lot. Like that's not a huge building. They gotta be stacked up. I think 2,500 feet's like, I don't know, the size of a house, maybe. Bigger house. 2,500 feet? 2,500 square feet. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. How big, how big is a 2,500 foot square house? I think my apart, my studio apartment in Milwaukee was 300. Square feet? Yes. So you get so like, those. Yeah. It's not that big. Yeah. You can really stack those people up, you know? If, yeah. If they're not, like, complaining. And, like, but, like, take out the room of the lobby. 
gotta have the lobby and then like the bathroom so that eliminates like yeah a, but then half you're, of you're, it. you're stacking them on top of each other like do you remember like yeah. what the japanese dude did in like world war you know one you know mm-hmm. like they could just really pack those things away yeah it's like a suitcase yeah yeah i mean people do stack pretty well huh they do stack well but i mean i don't know it's just nasty yeah still a lot of bodies inside yeah, it's crazy. And to be clear, lots of in, in, lots of different nationalities of various war crimes <laughs> have stacked bodies. I just thought of that one specific um, instance. <laughs> There's been a lot of body stacking through history. That's for sure. Yeah. The plague, God, yeah. they just stacked them like Lincoln logs. Now, you know, um, we moved. We're gonna on have to start stacking people. If people keep wanting to go on the ground. I was gonna say we moved on to cup stacking, and that's even worse in my opinion. Oh God, you're right. It's horrible. <laughs> Did you guys do cup stacking? What? Did you do cup stacking in gym class? Yeah, but we didn't have like the little electronic mat, so I just kind of used to like use like solo them. cups or something. Yeah, well, you would just race somebody else, you just scream in their face, and you're done when you finish. So the first person like yell in their face, you're done. Is something I think cup stacking really brings out the worst in like sixth graders. It's also like one of those things where you know we're back and forth with this controversial takes. Uh-oh. It's one of those sports Start almost off like. It's always one of those words, almost like, like, it's it's like spike ball or ultimate frisbee where people who aren't good at sports get to be good at something and then make me feel bad. Who's also not good at sports, but like in a different way, you know? Yeah. There are all those really irritating sports that are like not actually sports. That people get good at though, and they still make me feel bad. Like like I, ultimate frisbee. What the fuck? What is like, that? Yeah, I, I had to feel terrible in high school for being sucky at football. But then like I also like now as like a thirty year old man, I have to be angry at some little spider monkey kid in this indoor rock climbing facility who's also better than me at that. You know? Yeah, it's like, like eventually like I gotta draw the line. Your 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 thing. Like maybe it's like. Bar. Maybe you're really good at like bar classes. Like ballet. Yeah. Who knows? Well, at some point, maybe just people could just could just be nicer to to, to me about everything. Oh. You know? Yeah. That, mm-hmm. I think that would like be, be better instead of like me improving. Maybe myself. you shouldn't get harassed by a spider monkey kid. That's what I'm saying. Next time, I'm just gonna call nice. the big big football and just knock him off, knock him off the old. You know. Throw it off the climbing wall. Yep. Nice. So I guess in Where were we're we? back to Colorado. <laughs> And there is an identification process going on now in an investigation. And apparently an employee with the county coroner's office sustained a rash after entering the facility and needed medical treatment. So they now are taking biohazard cautions. So like, it sounds like this guy just walked in and just broke out in a rash. Well, I mean, like, I'm sure there's like a, a lot of bacteria in yeah. there, you know? Yeah. That's just sounds like, that's just, sounds like just like a, kind of like a little short story of all these decomposing bodies. It's, and, it could sound like it's know. like creepypasta or something. Yeah, creepypasta. Also, or... I'm confused. I wonder if there were like employees working at this place, going in every day and being like, hmm, kind of ripe in here. Well, they're probably, you know, maybe maybe the owner's out of town and there's employees and all the employees like, like... we're going on vacation. Or maybe, maybe the employees died and they're part of the thing. They're in their number. Yeah, they're like, part of the thing. Wow. Like a mystery. That Who is knows? a mystery. Well... That was all the news I had. That was all the news? There wasn't that much fun stuff going on. Uh, what else has happened? You know? Do you have any, have you heard any fun news? <sighs> Justin Timberlake's been in a bit of a spot. What's wrong with him? Huh? What's wrong with him? Rudy Spears is writing all sorts of, of, of you know, of, of ballyhoo about him, you know. Oh no. Potentially true, you oh, know. No. Who, who, who could say though, you know? Not, not I, no. you know. Let's see, that happened. Um, Matthew Perry drowned, which is a... True loss to the sort of the Hunter Biden, just hardcore party community. 
You know, yeah. you got like you gotta respect him. You like Hunter Biden that's still kicking. <laughs> you got Matthew Perry gone. You Recently, got, you got kicking. Dustin Diamond of Saved by the Bell also gone. Like like we're like down two of like the three genuine party gods since like the nineteen nineties. <laughs> if you don't know who Duke Dustin Diamond I don't is, know that is, like look him up. But like um, he's no, a like, party he, legend. Well, he was Screech from Saved by the Bell. I didn't watch that show. Well, you know. I'm glad you ripped ass in the middle of, 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 of you, you know. Um, Calling me old because then you have to edit the whole thing out, you know. <laughs> I can edit. I'll keep the good parts. You'll keep the dust and diamond part. Um, yeah. Good. Turns out Michigan football has been stealing um, signs from um, from opposing uh, teams during games. They've been sending a... They've been caught cheating? Michigan football has been caught cheating. Jim Harbaugh is a liar and a fraud and a cheat. Um, oh, I'm so excited to look at this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Michigan football is just a bunch of, uh, a bunch of frauds. dirty frauds. Yeah. There was 150-car pileup in New Orleans one day. It was a day after I flew out, so... Well, that's good. Yeah. Thank God. Well, that's the news of the past two months. All right, well, thank you. I'm yep. glad you caught me up. Yep, no problem. I come up with, like, three genuinely interesting... Stretch. Pieces of news each week, and that's what I get after two months. Yeah. Thank I you. I mean, Justin Timberlake's in trouble... Matthew Perry's dead, and there was a big car wreck in New Orleans. Like I feel like you are pretty informed to you know you're you're you're. I feel caught up. I could go on like yeah, you're Jeopardy ready. or something. Yeah, I don't you're know. ready to take on the day tomorrow. All right. You know? yeah. Well, I wasn't actually in a prison. I was in Vermont for two months. Which is a fancy way woods. to say I was in a um, a prison in, in, in Vermont. Vermont. <laughs> yeah. I was not in a prison. But she sometimes a, it felt like it. She I was, was in what mistaken actually, for a child and was in a juvenile penitentiary. This is Vermont. funny because the, the organization I worked for gets dubbed Trail Jail because like they're actually like the one the No, on. they're like the one organization that's actually strict on like not letting like campers or whatever, like when we're camping, not letting them like drink or smoke or like pretty much do the fun, things that make trail work fun. We were like dry and not doing anything for two months and yes it did get called tra- trail jail trail jail and everywhere else is and you had to just, trail fun you just had to like break rocks all day you just had to and, smash uh, rocks and you had to come back to the same spot every day with everyone else you couldn't really not have a beer or... after work <laughs> no it seems like you might have no. jail it was it was trail jail but anyway in vermont it was cool there were trees you saw it it was nice but Vermont was beautiful. Yes. You know, so I was glad they let you out for a week. Yes, that was exciting. Yeah. I had this on my radar before I left as something that I wanted to research and maybe talk about when I came back, but I didn't research at all when I was in Vermont. But we're still going to talk about the Bennington Triangle. The Bennington Triangle. What's the like eerie music they put where it's like, ew, eerie. What was that again? Eerie. Uh, I feel like Illuminati triangle pops up. Oh no no, no. it's like it's like, it's like a do do da do da. Yeah, Possibly that, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what it is. Uh anyway. You can pipe it in for you. you can yeah, I'll it figure in. it. I'll find it. Uh, so the Bennington Triangle is a portion of southwestern Vermont known for mysterious occurrences and various disappearances. So I actually stayed pretty much like right on the edge or in the Bennington Triangle for a week. 
Really? Yes. So when I went to Grout Pond. Grout Pond? Yes. Grout Pond in the Bennington Triangle? Yes. That's quite the trip. It is exciting. So Grout Pond, if anything, is like 14 miles from like the epicenter of the Bennington Triangle. And is it actually a triangle? Uh, well, it's not like specific. I'll get into it. It's not specifically like, there's no like set boundaries. Is it a it's triangle just a term. or not? It's not a triangle. All right. So the first... They listed three towns and they're more of like a... It's not an equilateral triangle. It's more of like an isosceles triangle probably. Okay. Well, wait. Are you suggesting that an isosceles triangle isn't a triangle? Well, I don't want to give you the impression that it's an equilateral triangle. It's more of... So you're saying it has more than three sides? No, it's a triangle. It's just not the stereotypical triangle. What do you consider to be a stereotypical triangle? An isosceles. No, an equilateral triangle. Isosceles. I'm getting mixed up on my triangles. <laughs> Do you know the answer for the triangle with three equal sides? I mean, I believe that all triangles oh. of all races and creeds are... Well, they are all triangles, but they're right. not all the same, you know? They're different, which right. makes them beautiful. Hmm. <laughs> that was a quick pivot. <laughs> Grace is a triangle. Anyway, racist. and I was wrong. It's a scalene I triangle. Saw- Move on. I am. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, this area is often compared to the Bridgewater Triangle in southeastern Massachusetts. The name Bennington Triangle was just termed by a local author named Joseph A. Citro. So there is no exact area for this triangle, but it lies around Glastonbury Mountain and includes the towns of Bennington, Woodford, Shaftesbury, and Somerset. Okay. Yes. All right. Like the Glastonbury area is like the main hotspot of this. It is named after Glastonbury Mountain. This area is about 36 square miles of wilderness. So it's named after Glastonbury Mountain. So we call it the Bennington Triangle. Because Bennington is the major city in it. The main... Okay. I... This area... Okay. We're starting over. I'm cutting that out. So... <laughs> no. I've been, roast, is the- I've been roasting this entire time. I, I, when I listened to the show after the fact... And I... She, you don't listen to the separate fact. Well, I check sometimes. I skip through to kind of see if you kept the parts where I was funny and I roasted you and you always take it out, you know? <laughs> That's because I don't want to be like just rambling, you know? So I have to take it out. Whatever. So what were you saying? So the Bennington Triangle surrounds Glastonbury Mountain and is about 36 square miles of wilderness, mostly residing in the Green Mountain National Forest, there are 12 peaks in the region that are over 3,000 feet, with Glastonbury rising to 3,747 feet. Hmm. Which, like, I think the tallest peak in Vermont is, like, Mansfield, I think, is only, like, just over 4,000. Okay. Like, they don't get very tall. Yeah. Because they're old. They're bald. Or, like, they're... Do you, you know? Do you think that's how it works? Like, older mountains are, like, shorter? Oh, that's what the scientists have said. Because they're old and sad and... You know. They just hunch over, yeah. yeah. The peaks go, <laughs> like a... I actually, like, I I was just laughing at that concept, but I actually have no scientific basis for it to disprove it, so let's go. Let's keep going. Cool. Let's kick it. Wait, so, so are, they, are, they, are is Mount Everest, like, a super young mountain, then? It, I think... I'm not a geologist, but I think it does depend on, like... Because you think about So you're about saying it, that mountains, when they're first born... You get it. Well, but they, like, they're you know super how they say tall some mountains the... are still growing? Like, because the plates are... Yeah. Pushing yeah. them up. Yeah. But the... I think... I was looking at a map, 
like a. So a, you're saying that the Mount Man's Field, which we hiked to and on a lovely afternoon, used to be about as tall as Mount Everest. Is that where we're that going? That is here? not right. What I said. Let it be known that that's Grace's <laughs> take on the history no of the world. No part of this did I say that. <laughs> you said Mount Everest. But I think they say that Could you imagine Mount Everest being in Vermont? That'd be nuts. Whoa! Holy shit! But, um... Just the whole state. It would. Um, They say that, like, the northeast area is very... Like, the mountains in the northeast are very similar to, like, the Scottish Highlands and, like, Scandinavia region. Because when it was Pangaea, they were, like, all together, you know? Okay. We're going into tectonic theory now. Yeah, very well. Anyway, that's not important. So, Glastonbury was chartered in 1761 by Bennington Wentworth, the New Hampshire governor at the time. He was in a land-grabbing war with New York and did not even know what he was chartering, so he granted many towns in the Glastonbury area that would eventually become Southern Vermont before he even, like, knew what they looked like. And Vermont was the 14th state, so it's not one of the 13 original colonies. Isn't that nifty? Get to the spooky stuff. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So, he was not aware of the topography of the region, which led to the areas not being settled until the 1800s. So, he pretty much just bought this land and was like, oh shit, there's mountains there. Um, All the towns... This is supposed to be a Halloween special. (laughs) I never said it was going to be a Halloween special. Oh. said it's after Halloween. I, I don't even think this is that spooky. Okay, so all the towns popping up in this region were very small. Glastonbury Town had a lot of land area, but there were only two small places where people actually lived, Fayville and South Glastonbury. These two villages were never connected as the mountainous terrain made road building pretty much impossible. So South Glastonbury took off as the headquarters of a charcoal operation. They built 12 brick kilns, a boarding house. This was for like the loggers. It was a big logging business. Scary. <laughs> so the timber business was booming. Okay. Oh, good. Um, the town needed connection to the outside world, so the steepest railroad ever built in the U.S. was constructed to connect the area to Bennington. The Bennington-Glastonbury Railroad was built in 1872 and rose 250 feet per mile. So I found a grade calculator, and I calculated what 250 feet over 9 miles is, and it's a 4.73% grade. Whereas Wikipedia says that average freight trains prefer gradients below 1.5%. So that's pretty steep. Yeah. Um, typically... It's like the Polar Express. Ever seen that movie? Bitch, I was going to do a movie review there. Keep oh, going. God. I, my, like, butt clenched just <laughs> thinking about, like, oh! So typical of most early American boom towns, <laughs> the mountains were logged until nothing was left. Sad. I read one thing that said pretty much, like, 80% of, like, the timber in Vermont was removed at one point. 80%? Of the timber. Because they just logged everything. So it was bald. The whole place was like bald. Bald, yeah. Bald. Okay. So all out of wood and left with a fancy railroad, the area needed money. So in 1894, the railroad renamed itself the Bennington Woodworth Electric Railroad. And they tried their hand in tourism. They turned the old logging houses into a hotel and the general store into a casino. The town reopened in the summer of 1897 and had a very successful first season. However, they had electric railroads in 1800s. I don't know why they said electric railroad, but that's just what it was called. Oh, like, more but like because like, they burn coal. Kind of like kind of like electric boogaloo, like kind of like yeah, let's just kind of like, like, think... like party, you yeah. know? Yeah, like disco. Wait, I don't know. Are you implying they had disco in the 1800s? No, <laughs> you're implying they had electric railroads. I was questioning, it, in fact. <laughs> I just ate candy corn I found on the table. I kind of want to get up. Here, keep talking. I'm going to get some candy. 
I'll just pause it with you. So since nearly all the trees had been logged and were gone off the mountains, the area was devastated by a flood the next year. It wiped out the tracks and they were never rebuilt. So this beautiful new resort town was left and the population plummeted. Ripley's, believe it or not, shined the spotlight on the town of Glastonbury when they learned that the entire town was comprised of only three remaining members of the Madison family who held every office. So it was this dude, Ira Madison, his wife, and his mom, which was like literally the whole population of the town. So that seems like, horrible. Like the mayor, the comptroller, and the constable were all. I guess, yeah. Pretty cool. The peak population of Glastonbury only did ever reach 241, so it was never that big. But the state of Vermont disorganized the town in 1937, and it was the first time the state of Vermont did that. Disorganize a town? Yeah. Rustled it up. Yeah, it, I think it just means it made it like unincorporated. Yeah. Is that what an unincorporated town is? Yeah. So the area was known for the Bennington Triangle today and that mostly like I said before lies in the Green Mountain National Forest which was established in 1932 so after the town got unincorporated like whatever a long time ago and there's only three people there the area was mostly trafficked because of the Appalachian Trail Appalachian and the Long Trail cut through it and so it's a big area for like hikers and like mm -hmm. guides for fishing and hunting and all that stuff because, like I said, 80% of Vermont is forested, basically. And, like, the Green Mountain National Forest is huge. It takes up, like, pretty much all of Southern Vermont. So, so it's a big area, heavily wooded area, with a couple of major hiking paths going through it. Yes. Okay. So there's usually a good amount of people going through it. During a stint in semi-recent history, a string of disappearances occurred that gave the Bennington Trial, like, the its big name, you know? Mm -hmm. So the first guy who disappeared was a man named Carl Herrick. And he went missing during a hunting trip in 1943. He was discovered three days after, surrounded by a bunch of footprints, and he displayed injuries of someone who was squeezed to death as his ribs punctured into his lungs. David Paulides describes this case in Missing 411. Apparently this Pilatus. guy's... Pilatus. Pilatus. David Pilatus. Pilatus. Described this case to Missing 411. His gun was... That's how you say his name. Okay, thank you. His gun was leaning on a tree 70 feet away, and there was large bear tracks, I guess, around his body. This death is often not linked to the other disappearances, as his body was found, like, a short time after he went missing, whereas, as we'll see in the rest of these disappearances, that's not the case. Ooh. Spoiler. But so he was squeezed to death. Yes. Hmm. Squeeze. Was there any sort of clear, you know, thing that could have squeezed him to death besides like a large bear? Or... Well, they said a bear probably wouldn't squeeze him, but no, they did not know. He was just squeezed. So a bear couldn't squeeze someone to death? I mean, I feel like a bear wouldn't squeeze. It could like, like squish someone. But I don't even know if a bear, a bear I think would just start eating you. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. Uh, anyway, the... The next person that disappeared, which is often accounted as the first person, but I feel like this Carl guy should be counted in. So the the next man that went missing is a man named Mitty Rivers, who is 74. He disappeared on November 12th of 1945 while hunting in Hell Hollow Brook. He was with four other hunters, including his son-in-law. Him, so him and his son-in-law were walking on a trail when they reached a fork. The men separated and Rivers said he would only be gone walking for a short distance before we met up with the rest of the crew. So the rest of the party began to search for Mitty after a while, but only found a single rifle cartridge like sitting in a stream. Rivers was an experienced outdoorsman and a hunting and fishing guide in the area, so he like knew the area really well. Later on, some suspect that the man could have fallen into one of the old wells in South Glastonbury, explaining why there was no evidence of him. Found. They kind of were like, maybe he, they like found the, 
the rifle thing in the stream and they're like, maybe he fell in the water, but they never found him. Mm -hmm. So they're like, maybe he's in a well. Was there a well though? There, I guess like this, cause this old town was there and now it's like a ghost town basically. And there's like old wells dug and like old mines too, like around in the area. But I mean, they never searched them. So <laughs> they obviously don't care that much. Well, yeah. When, when was this again? 40s. That's a very poor search effort for like, you know, 20th century police work, you know? People are lazy. (laughs) So the next person to go missing is probably the most notable disappearance, like the one that gets talked about the most. This is the disappearance of Paula Weldon. She was an 18-year-old who disappeared on December 1st of 1946 while on a hike. She was attending school at Bennington College and she was very, like, she hiked a lot. She was outdoorsy. She left for a hike on the long trail and told her roommate that she was heading out for a long walk around 2.30 p.m. She wore light clothes and a bright red jacket. Even Long though the, walk on the long trail? Yes. She was <laughs> dressed like in light clothes, even though the temperature was apparently supposed to get down to 9 degrees that night. And she left at 2.30. And the sun sets in December in Vermont around like 4.15, 4.30. So like, yeah, pretty early. Pretty early. Yeah. And later on, a gas station attendant reported seeing Paula running around in a nearby gravel pit. Later, a man named Louis Knapp picked her up, or said he picked her up, soon after as she was hitchhiking to the long trail from her dorm. So I guess like she couldn't even just walk to the long trail. She had to like hitchhike to get to the long trail and then start her walk. And she left at 2.30? Yes. And it gets dark at like 4.30. So she yes. probably wasn't there before like dark. Yes. So... She was then last reportedly seen by an elderly couple on the trail who were about 100 yards behind her. She, or like the elderly couple reports like seeing her ahead of them and then they, she like turned a corner and then once they got to the corner and turned it, she was gone. Whoa. So a large search took place but no evidence was ever found. Her father and much of the public criticized the handling of the case um, which led to the founding of the Vermont State Police months later. Some say that the Mitty Rivers and Paula Weldon went missing very, like, close to the same spot. And it is also seen as bad luck to wear red while hiking on Glastonbury Mountain now. This case is, like, very much talked about because it's, like, a young girl that went missing. But also because, like, it's so weird. She started her walk really late and then she was, like, trying to get to the long trail. But, like, people say that, like, maybe these people just made up, like, seeing, like, like, saw some other girl and not yeah. her and like i don't know some people doubt that she ever even made it to the trail but i don't know how many people got red jackets yeah it's a good point yeah could have been but a yeah there's a lot more information on this case than like and any other case running around in a gravel gravel pit that's what it said i found that on a few sources and like I she was like scrabbling about you yeah know? i don't know and apparently like when they did the search they like excavated the gravel pit and were like maybe she came back here and there was nothing in it hmm so, I don't know. Sounds like she was just doing weird stuff. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And, like, a lot of this case, too, like, there's a lot more accounts. Sounded of, like, like this is, wait, so when was this again? 46. 46. Um, like, people bit, say, too, that, like. A little bit too like, early for this for this lady to be, like, getting groovy on drugs, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, people tried to blame it on, like, mental illness because she was, like, kind of sad and, like, didn't, was, like, whatever. A typical college kid. Her family was like, that's not what she would do. So the next person named James Tedford went missing three years to the date on December 1st, 1943. So like three years after Paula. 
So he like oh, she that, went. I thought, thought that today was like the three year anniversary. Oh no, not today. <laughs> no, three years to the date of Ooh. when Paulo went missing. Okay. So Tedford was returning from visiting family in St Albans, which is in like northern Vermont, on a bus. So he was last seen at the bus station, and witnesses on the bus reported him going missing between Bennington and the previous stop. So he just like disappeared out of his seat. Apparently, is what people said. Like the bus, they like remember seeing him on the stop before Bennington. And then when it gets to Bennington, they look, because Bennington was the last stop, they look up and he's not there, but like all his stuff is still in the luggage rack and his little like bus timesheet is like sitting on his seat. But like people, like he didn't get off at either of those stops. People are like, we just don't know where he went. This this sounds (laughs) vaguely familiar. What was his name again? James Tedford. James Tedford. That's yeah. really interesting. People say yeah. that's just like a spooky one. People are like, they're just being stupid. Like the witnesses just forgot. But I don't know. It sounds like of all the people on the but bus, they were like... bus full of witnesses forgot? They, that's what seems weird. Because they're, I think, from like what it makes it sound like, there was like multiple people on the bus that were like, he was just there. And now he's not there. I'll bet somebody like nabbed him and threw him in their suitcase. Oh, you're right. How big, how big is this guy? Yeah, we got to know yeah. his size, his flexibility. How tight are his hamstrings? Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So the next person, Paul Jepson, an eight-year-old, disappeared from his mother's truck while she went to feed some pigs on October 12th of 1950. She returned to the truck and her son was not there. So a search party was formed, but nothing was ever found, even though the boy was apparently wearing a bright red jacket, similar to Paula Weldon. Bloodhounds used in the search lost the scent trail at the same place where Paula Weldon was last seen, apparently. And Paul's father said that his son had been talking exclusively of going to the mountains for several days before his disappearance. And, like, people say that he was, like, in some, like, weird state where, like, all he talked about was, like, he's like, I want to go in the woods. Like, I want to go in the mountains. Ooh. And then this kid just, like, off and disappears. Whoa. I want to go to the mountains? Yeah. Wow. He was, like, obsessed with the mountains for, like, days before he went to- disappeared. Wait, wait, what year was this again? This one was in 1950. Very strange. Lots of erratic behavior. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the last one, we have Frida Langer, a 53-year-old woman, disappeared 16 days after Paul Jepson. So 16 days after the, the little kid that we just talked about. On October 28th, 1950, she and her cousin were on a hike near the Somerset Reservoir while camping. Langer slipped um, pretty early on in their hike and fell into a stream. So she told her cousin, like, hey, I'm just going to run back to the campsite, change quick, and, like, meet you back out here. And her cousin eventually returned to the campsite after she did not come back and discovered that she would never got to the campsite even. So five searches were conducted over the next two weeks and no trace of her was ever found. However, this one, on May 12th of 1951, Frida's Langer's body was found about three and a half miles from the campground near the floodgates of the Somerset Reservoir. And apparently, like, her body was very, like decayed and like they could not f- figure out a cause of death were they her again at the like kind of by like they said the floodgates of the somerset reservoir so it was like by a water body was she in the water body uh they didn't say they said like but she was decayed so i'm guessing she was in the water okay i don't know yeah. none of these are super like they were a long time ago yeah so they're yeah. not like super great but interesting yes so she was described, though, as a gun handler and a woods person. And she was also one of those people that's, like, very familiar with the area. Mm-hmm. So spooky. 
So no direct ties between all these people were found besides the geographic region and the time period um, where they meant missing. So the disappearances mostly occurred around 3 to 4 p.m. and in the final three months of the year, like October, November, December, yeah. was all of them. Um, people, like, dubbed it, like, the Bennington Ripper or the Mad Murder of the Long Trail, but they, like, never actually found any culprits for these disappearances. The theory that I did, this was on a subreddit, I read this, but somebody was like, what if it's like, this happened over like five years? What if it was like a college student? Because that's the amount of time that they're in college, you know? Because then they just stopped. Yeah. Which seems weird for a place that like still is very heavily trafficked and was heavily trafficked before. Like you'd think these disappearances, if it was just like because there's so many people in the area, would have been more consistent like over time. Yeah, and then, like, also, like, his, like, victims are, like, varying so much. Like, dude. Yeah, there's, like, a lady, little boy. Lady. Little t- tiny boy. Yeah. You know, uh, lady or something like that. Or, mm-hmm. or no, it was, it was a guy after that. You know, the one who wanted to go to the mountains or whatever. So, yeah. his MO would be varying a lot or yeah. you call it. So, that's strange. But, yeah, that's, like, the one thing that I was very confused about was... The demographic of, like, the victims, if they are, like, victims, or just, like, the the timing is weird. That it only happened for, like, five years, and then yeah. there's, like, no really other ones after well, that. Well, didn't you say that they invented the police in Vermont after, shortly after one of the deaths? Yes. So, I mean, that... <laughs> the Vermont State Police, I think yeah. that would maybe kind of help, you know? Maybe, but, I mean, it would help <laughs> for people, like, disappearing, you know? Yeah, yeah. People would still go missing, I the guess. The college thing would make sense, or... You know, maybe it was like, uh, I don't know, um, some like government project or whatever, or perhaps aliens, or perhaps vampires. 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 Vampires have been known to remove a lot of people. When I was in Manchester, there was a sign next to this graveyard that was like a historical plaque about like this lady dubbed like the vampire of Manchester or something. She didn't really do anything crazy. They just, you know, didn't like her. Well, you know what that reminds me of? Oh, boy. It's a great movie. It's called uh, Salem's Lot. That's right, folks. Welcome oh, to gosh. Force. Let me get the timer corner. out. Crazy going to try and time me. I'm not going to pay attention to it. She's just being mean. So, <laughs> Salem's Lot. All right, I'm starting. It's based on a book by Stephen King. It was uh, actually initially appeared as a TV sort of a periodical show, but, uh, you know, at your viewing pleasure, you can watch it as a three-hour, 45-minute, uh, I believe, oh God, movie on Amazon Stephen Prime. King do a lot of drugs. What? I think he... You, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to take up my time. I'll, I'll get back to that later. Um, basically, anyway, um, it was really cool. A uh, guy who was born in this little town in Maine or Vermont... Maine, I believe... Uh, returns home after being gone for, you know, to kind of like re-inherit like his aunt's old house or whatever. And he observes the um, the grand opening or kind of the preparations seconds. for opening of a, um, of a new in- new antiquity store. Um, by, uh, by these two kind of, well, by, by these two creepy guys, you know. I think it was uh, Mr. Um, Striker or Strikeoy or something like that. This is not a central Lot. What is that? Yes, it is. It is, no, it's it is, not. It is. And a Mr. Barlow. Basically, people in the town start going missing, and they're trying to kind of figure out what's going on. And they and they start to find an otter and otter that no one's actually seen this Mr. Barlow. They've only ever seen Mr. Strikeoy. And basically, as it as, as as it comes to happen, Barlow is this like ancient vampire that um, 
that his kind of companion striker or strike boy, whatever that guy's name was. Uh, He's just familiar. Yeah, basically he was as familiar. Yeah, I was moving him, you know, into this new town to kind of like uh, basically bite everyone and, you know, kind of turn them all into vampires before kind of moving on to like a, another town. Anyway, it's just a Why really good... Why do vampires good... want to make more vampires? Don't they want less vampires, more people? I don't know. That's a good like, point. Like, I want to be surrounded by like more boxes of cheese. It's not more people. Yeah, you know, maybe it's like a drug addict sort of thing, you know? Dirty you want people junkies. to party with? Yeah, you know, just, a, just dirty junkies. But anyway, it's a great Halloween treat if you got some time. It's just kind of got, uh, you know, good old uh, northeastern quiet sort of town vibes. There's a good sense of doom in it, you know. And uh, what do you the, rate the movie it? ends in What's Mexico. Your, oh, you what's know? your rating? I'm gonna How give many it, little bats do you give it? I'm going to give it, you know, four and a half bats out of seven. Four and a half bats out of seven. Yep. That's pretty good. That's pretty solid. That's a know. lot of bats. Yeah, well, that's how you rate bats out of seven. Freaking bats. Yep. All right. I'm glad I can get back to this now. So, <laughs> there actually has been a person in semi-recent history who has... There's probably more, more people than this. But there was a weird account of a man named Robert Singley, who was a 27-year-old college student at Bennington College, who was recovered after being lost in the Bennington trial in 2008. What did he say? So, Singley was returning to his car after summiting Bald Mountain, which is one of the peaks in the area. He walked about four to five miles before realizing that he should have only walked three back to his car. So he recounts that fog began to roll in and his headlamp went out as it got dark and he experienced a weird haunting energy. So as an experienced hiker, he sheltered under a tree and tried to build a fire only to find animal bones while he was searching for wood. And once it got light out, he hiked a few more miles before finding the, got the Goddard shelter, realized that he was about six to seven miles away from his car instead of less than a mile like he believed. So he just got really freaking lost. Whoa. But like he was saying how like, and a lot of people recount this that like, it's just very dense woods and there's not a lot of like landmarks. So it's like very easy if you get off trail to just like get super turned around and have no idea where you are. Well, perhaps like the Bermuda Triangle, perhaps it's an, like one of those intersections of uh, gravitational ley lines where, you know, I don't know, the vile vortices and things are not what they seem because of science somehow. Spooky. Science. <laughs> <laughs> science and gravity and whatnot. Yes, 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 yes. So, now becomes the more fun segment of this episode. So, disappearances are not the only thing that were lurking in the triangle. Before the town of Glastonbury was even an idea, the Native Americans knew something was fishy about Glastonbury Mountain. They feared the land was cursed and only used it to bury their dead, and the summit suffers from a big crosswind that disorients hunters even to this day. There is a legend also of an enchanted stone that is said to swallow any human that steps on it somewhere in the mountains. Uh, what? An enchanted stone? Like a portal. Stone? I imagine it like a Mario portal. Like if you step on it, it just goes... Whoop. Oh, okay. I was thinking it was just some like stone some with like... Some hungry rock? I was thinking like this like stone that had like kind of comical like eyes and very fuzzy eyebrows. Kind of like grout looking like that. Yeah. <laughs> Get the hell away. I think swallow was more of like um, a metaphor. Yeah, like I metaphorically eat sandwiches. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> There's also a Bigfoot-like creature that has been spotted in the region for over 200 years. Whoa. The first report came from a group of stagecoach passengers when they were forced to stop doing a due to a washed-out road, which is very common in Vermont because that was there after all the flooding. A lot of roads washed out. Yep. Yep. So the <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. 
The driver noticed an inhumanly large footprints in the mud. They were very spaced out and very deep, which means big sucker. It's also Vermont. Like, is there a chance, like, maybe the Harlem Globetrotters were in town and, you know... Where would they go in Vermont? <laughs> I'm just saying. You're right. You're Perhaps right. a shelter community that wasn't used to size It's just a pro shoes. basketball team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they remained in the carriage, but the passengers were quickly shaken up because this creature apparently come up and started like pushing the carriage and eventually tipped the carriage over. Whoa. And the passengers saw it and they described the beast as huge and hairy and had very large eyes. So apparently it was a bug-eyed Bigfoot. It's pretty sick. It's pretty sick. Yeah. So a group of workers at the Bar Harbor Sand Pit found a large number of bones that most likely bones that most likely came from a huge skeleton. These workers assumed that the bones came from a Bigfoot like monster. I like then, I like how back in the olden days they just used more words and less numbers. Like I feel like on like medical records they'd be, like, they'd be yeah they'd, 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 they'd be like, you know, size of his femur. You know, and it would just say, like, the doctor just write in, like, tremendous, <laughs> you know, <laughs> instead of, like, you know, 4.2, you know, meters, or, but that's yeah. a big femur. But as I, long as my lo- wife's left nipple. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Continue. So, they later turned their story into the bones were from a brontosaurus rex, which I don't think is a real dinosaur, but then it was finally discovered that they came from a huge cow. Big cow bones. Hmm. That was exciting. I like the story. Yes. So in 2003, a man from Winooski thought that he saw a man in a snowsuit stumbling down Route 7 near Glastonbury. However, upon further approach, he believed he saw Bigfoot or the Glastonbury monster. I believe upon re-approach, it would have just been, in fact, a man (laughs) in a snowsuit. Approaching further. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know, babe. I've been reading this all day. This is pretty good. So, back in 1867, there was a wild man apparently living in the woods in the area, which is bigger than a big, different than a Bigfoot. A wild man is a man. A Bigfoot is something else. No, I am very familiar with the constable. It was a wild man. A wild man, yeah. A wild man, maybe turned Bigfoot, maybe not. Depends who you ask. A wild man is a man. This man, who was somewhat of a recluse, was said to live in a cave, but would come down to expose himself to the women of the area. Why have I heard this before? Possibly. I haven't talked about it. Really? I learned this today. Huh. The production time on this is just so fast. Yeah, I know. So, yeah. UFO sightings are often common in the Triangle. A man named Don Pratt saw a flying silo over Bennington in 1984. The shape is common with sightings in the area, and many others saw the 60-foot-long phenomenon near around Manchester. So that's like the shape uh-huh. you saw. Big cylinder. You know what a silo looks like, you city slicker? I, I'm, yes. All right. Thank you. So, <laughs> a woman who was just referred to as Miss Hurley was driving near Bennington. Miss <laughs> Hurley! was driving near Bennington in 1984 when she saw a bright light on the road in front of her. She assumed it was another vehicle, so she sounded her horn. I don't know why she was honking at this car. But the vehicle then rose up and floated over the top of her truck, and she felt a burning sensation on her cheek and discovered small boils on her face upon her return home. That's a very common symptom of uh, close encounters of the third kind. Singeing? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, they, people kind of speculate that it's like radiation, but like that's pretty mm-hmm. common, you know? That's kind of crazy. Yeah, they, uh, like a lot of times people come away with like, um, like 
like a yeah, sunburn. Burns. Yeah, like yeah, some sort of a sunburn or a third degree burn or whatever. Um, yeah. It's like when Midwesterners go down to Florida yeah, for spring break. Barney Hill and the whole like uh, the Devil's Den sort of uh, UFO sort of thing. I feel like that happened on Skinwalker Ranch too. Yeah. At some point, somebody got burned. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, John A. Keel, a journalist and ufologist, ufologist. Well, John John Keel, he's the the you know the wrote the um that Skinwalker book. Oh, well, yeah. speak of the devil. Yeah, yeah, John Keel. Yeah. He describes the as a window area and as an interdimensional doorway to another world. John Keel and his goddamn doorways. <laughs> no, that's how that's how he explains uh, Skinwalker Ranch too. It's like it's a door, you know. Well, he also compared it to the Bridgewater Triangle and Mount Washington in New Hampshire, so he probably would. Compared to he Skinwalker just thinks Ridge the United like States is just one, one huge big house, just one huge house, With and a he's bunch of doors. Have, we gotta have multiple doors, you know. Well, that is it's up to fire code then. He could be right. Who knows? Who knows? You know? He's making it. Anyway, the last thing is not as spooky, but was kind of like a cool thing that I read about, I guess. So large stilled Karens. You know what a Karen is? A Karen. A Karen. It's not, and, it's, and we're not talking about a crane. No, that's Heron. Well, I feel like whatever you're about to say is going to make me kind of angry. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess Karens are like the like stacks of rocks. Oh, That you okay. see. Um, Babe, it's a cairn. 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 Yeah, I said, it's with a C. Cairn. You said it. You're, you're like a... I don't... I've already like blocked out of my memory like what you said the first time. Well, I'll time. be able to go back and listen to what it's I said. And I know Karen. I'm saying Karen. I exactly. You're you about saying Karen. No, you know? I'm not saying Karen. It's Karen. Karen. C A I R N, right? Karen. 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 We're saying the same thing. No, you were saying Karen a minute ago. <laughs> no, I was. Yes, I was trying were. purposely not to say Karen because I wanted to ask you. What's a Karen? And you say, oh, it's a lady who bitches out the Taco Bell employee. No, I never use such foul language on a kid's show. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> well, large stone cairns are scattered across the mountain, and no one really knows who built them. Some guess they're from hikers on the long trail or farmers. However, the cairns are built deep in the woods off the trail and are at an elevation where farming never took place. So these cairns are not just like medium rock, smaller, smaller, smaller rock. They're like huge. There's like some, these ones are like eight feet by like four feet. And they're like just big stacks of like big rocks. Huh. I could show you a picture, but I didn't come that prepared. I'll post it on the Instagram. Yeah. So these built are big and they're built like kind of far off the trail. Whereas like, I feel like the more common place where you see them on trails is like if the trail's poorly marked or like if the little blaze is worn off, hikers will put them to like signify like you're still kind of on the trail, you know? Yeah. They were a lot on Mount Hunger, but well, we didn't hiked you one just, next to well, it. Well, didn't you say that these things were like eight feet wide? But yeah, these are larger versions. Yeah, I don't know. But they're still the... called cairns, I guess. This is a stack of rocks. Stack of rocks is a stack of rocks. Stack of rocks. Yeah, they're yeah, all stacks yeah, of rocks. Yeah, no one's going to give you metal, but you no, know. No, they're stacks of rocks. But like, yeah, you definitely wouldn't see something that size. Yeah, they're like, hikers aren't building these. They are yeah. the ultra light movement, which is bullshit. Anyway, a specific Cairn site recently located by David Lacey, an archaeologist with the Green Mountain National Forest, resides on Glastonbury Mountain near the summit. So he found this site near the, like, in an abandoned fire lookout cabin, which was constructed in 1927, and the long trail was cut around 1913. So he hypothesized that the Cairns were built, like, around these two times. Like, he's like, somebody was like, really built these. 
However, a man named Norman E. Miller consulted some professionals and concluded like with moss and like trees and like science, they figured out that they think these cairns predated European settlement in the area and were most likely constructed by Native Americans in the area. Some of the stones were very large, weighing up to like 300 pounds, and the cairns were like of various shapes and sizes. So they kind of theorized that they might have had something to do with like spiritual things because they thought like the tops of the mountains are very spiritual places. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, no, they're cool. cool. They're covered in moss. It was a lot many of moss. A, many a horror movie has been started by some, you know, teen knocking over a um, a cairn in the woods. Yeah, you shouldn't do that. You really should. No, wait, Blair Witch Project. Yeah. They had Karens in it? Yeah. I thought they had the little dolls. No, they, they, I think they had those <laughs> things. I think they had Karens in Blair Witch Project and like... Yeah. Rossled them up. I'm not sure. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, there was one last thing I found was a silly comment on the All That's Interesting article, Bennington Triangle. And in summary, it was a person with very poor spelling and grammar skills detailing an experience. They had a grout pond, which was where I camped when we went yeah. to the Bennington Triangle. And I think I they were at one of the campsites we worked at because they said they were on like the campsite on the end on the right. And I was like, that's site number one. We worked on that. Anyway, they pretty much just detailed how like they were camping and some spooky stuff happened and they heard like rustling in the bushes and they like ran away from their site and then they ended up coming back to their site and the site was like neat like they cleaned up everything and like folded their blankets and everything and there was a ton of little tiny human footprints running in the same direction around their campsite so fairies that's what i said i'm like fairies are little troll people they were were back to so we brought it 360 and we're back to we started we started with fairies and we ended with fairies yes everything revolves around fairies but i just thought the story was cool because it was like i could see where this was at because i it been there, man. Yeah. Anyway, so today a total of eight people live in Glastonbury, and there's only one little tiny road in the town. The Chateau Fayville is the last original house standing, uh, and it was of the former Madison homestead. But that was all I had about the Bennington Triangle. That was tremendous. I very much enjoyed it. I have was Forrest paying attention segment. Oh boy, oh boy, was Forrest paying attention. I can tell you've been paying attention. I have been paying attention. I, I know. Always do. What is the capital of Vermont? Montpellier. Yeah, you know that. Okay. Yeah. What mountain lies at the center of the Bennington Triangle, and what is its elevation? Um, <laughs> not Mount Glastonbury. Is that a thing? Oh, I was right. Okay. Need to get yeah. And uh, what's the elevation? It's like 400 feet tall? <laughs> no, 4,000? 3,747. Pretty good. All right. All right. So what college did Paula Weldon attend? Bennington College? Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. And apparently there is a building on this campus where Shirley Jackson, who is the author of The Haunting of Hill House, lived. And that's the mansion that that book is based off wow. of. Wow. Isn't that cool. fun? Um, how do you spell Karen? <laughs> you did this earlier. C-A-I-R-N. C-A-I-R-N, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the governor of what state chartered the area, which eventually included the Bennington Triangle? The governor of what state? Yes. I mean, guess, guessing it's not Vermont. Um, did you say this earlier? Oh, I don't know. He was in a land battle with New York State. Oh, then... New Hampshire. Yes, correct. Right, oh my god! Ding, ding, ding! 
Yeah, you got yeah. so many right. I know. Thank you, because I pay attention. I know. So the main the main reference I used for this was the vanished town of Glastonbury and the Bennington Triangle by Chet Amberwich, which is a great article. I would highly recommend it. I'll There's cool it pictures, and the Glastonbury Mount Cairn site was a cool read. Or else I'll just put the rest of the links in the show notes. But that was all. First episode back, yeah. baby. More to come. Sorry. More to come. More to come. We will be back. You yes. Know? You have an episode possibly ready? Well, it's been, you know, it's been... Uh, it's two months in the making. It's more than two months Several in the making. months in the making, but when you think about it, it's the amount of time that I've been putting into it will... Will it show come the back quality? We'll come back in spades. You know, yeah, if Grace works on her episodes, you know, for a week or two at a time, I've been taking like seven months. That means I'm going to, mine's going to be like 50 times as good as a single Grace episode. It better be, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine's basically just going to be like I mean, I did crack. this today at work, so it took me like, I don't know, a few hours. Yeah, so, I mean, so I this mean, is going to be... You're going to blow our socks off. This is going to be a Scorsese film with like a, God, you know, Werner win Herzog, a, you know, soundtrack. Whatever the Emmys of podcasts are. The, the Webbies. Is it? Yeah, that's, uh, that's, That sounds like yeah. gross. All right, well... Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.